Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The First Film Club. I'm Natalie Louise. And I'm Hannah Flint. And this is a podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent from the film industry and the first feature that launched their careers. We started The First Film Club back in 2018 as a Q&A event series. We've been able to hear from some of the most celebrated directors as they reflect on their feature film debuts in cinemas across London. Now Hannah and I are excited to expand the format to include talent both in front of and behind the camera. Each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and their behind-the-scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Hannah will set the scene. Genevieve Gaunt is a talented British actress whose career has traversed stage and screen, from Michael Winterbottom's The Face of an Angel an American soap opera, The Royals, to play in Lynette's Squeaky From in a production of Stephen Sondheim's Assassins at Edinburgh Theatre Festival, and voicing Lady Penelope in a recent Thunderbirds audiobook series, Genevieve boasts an eclectic array of credits. But her film career first kicked off as a child actor cast by Alfonso Cuaron in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban prison. He's a murderer. Sirius Black is the reason the Potters are dead. There's something moving out there. It is not in the nature of a Dementor to be forgiving. I hope he finds me. Because when he does, I'm going to be ready. You must look beyond. Expecto Patronum! Widely regarded as the best instalment in the fantasy franchise, Genevieve's debut feature role was as Slytherin student Pansy Parkinson. Although her part was small, it was an impactful experience that she sat down with me to talk about. Genevieve Gaunt, hello. Welcome to the First Film Club podcast. Hello. So excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. Well, full disclosure, we are friends outside of the podcast. Full disclosure. Yeah, we actually have a very, uh, we met at a party and we, I still have this picture of us where we went to a we went down randomly went to a bond uh event and there's a picture of us 
doing the Charlie's Angels pose with the bonds, you know, gun shooty thing. (laughs) Yeah, I have that too. And then, and then how do we reconnect? We met again at a party or something. It's always about the parties in London, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we kind of met, we got on and, you know, you've been kind of working across plays and acting. I came to see one of your plays and you've, we've kind of contributed to your podcast, The Cupid Couch, um, which you should check out and listen to. Will you be doing, you're doing a season two. I am doing a season two, yeah. For for listeners, uh, I uh, I am an actress, but I made a documentary style podcast series called The Cupid Couch about love, sex, and relationships. And Hannah was a fantastic guest on that. And yes, I am working on a, a season two. Yeah, I definitely overshared. <laughs> I'm I'm happy. I, you should go listen to it. It's really fun and kind of goes back and forth and looking like the history of love and relationships. Yeah, it's super fun, super fun. Well. Uh, so you're repaying the favor by being on this podcast series. And I just, for a first film, it's a pretty big one. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban playing Pansy Parkinson. Yeah, not many people can boast that they worked with Alfonso Cuaron on their first film. Yes, I mean, it, Harry Potter wasn't exactly my first job. I had done a short film the summer before I got uh, before I was cast. So I was 11 and I had just started secondary school at a school in West London. We're talking, you know, first term, year seven. And there is an announcement in assembly that casting for Harry Potter are coming round to audition people. And they had a very specific casting brief. I think they wanted kids with sticky out ears. I think that was the passing brief. It was a it was a really strange one. And I remember thinking, damn, I don't have sticky out ears. Uh, but there was something about that day. I just thought I'm gonna go anyway. And so, you know, can you imagine if I hadn't been there, if I'd been sick or something that morning? But I I I went in, you know, lunchtime to this room and it was Gina Jay who was casting uh Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Gina had actually gone on to to cast me in like the face of an angel and you know other things she's been absolutely amazing she's a wonderful woman and a very talented casting director I mean she's the best and I met Gina and uh I said I know I don't fit the casting brief but I was the lead in this short film over the summer would you like to see it I said in that kind of brave way that only an (laughs) 11 year old can be brave it's kind of the magic of being a child actually is that you kind of but you're not taught to second guess yourself. You just kind of go for things. Love it. Confidence. And she was like, yeah, um, well, this is where the first round of auditions is happening. So why don't you come along? And that's when it really started. It was about, I can't remember exactly, but maybe it was like four rounds of auditions. And it went from, we are talking like thousands of kids. And every time it got narrowed down and down and down. And we would do things like, you know, be put in a group of like three and be told like you know you you're you're in this scenario and you know you're 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 hiding from some kind of monster and you know improvise this scene or whatever and so you know you just kind of having to snap into that world and be observed and maybe they filmed us I can't remember um and that's really how it you know it whittled down and down and down until I was sent to Leaveson Studios for an audition I can't remember how many pansies there were maybe there were I don't know, four, four of us or something. 
And I had my audition with Alfonso Cuaron. And I remember being asked to improvise a scene. Well, first of all, I remember loving it. Second of all, I think Itu Mama Tambien had come out by then, but I certainly hadn't seen it because <laughs> I, I <Yeah>. was 11, <laughs> you know. Um, so I knew oh, I'd love it, it if you went into it. It's like, I'm yeah. such a fan. Yeah. Like, hola, Alfonso. Me gusta mucho. Itu Mama Tambien. Can you imagine? He'd be like, um... <laughs> your mother, like I don't think it's musical social services. No, 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 because he's Spanish. But we're like, hmm, what is Galicia? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah, do you I like think about? Um, no, uh, he was he was so lovely, and uh, I remember having to improvise a scene, and I just loved, I just loved everything about Pansy, and I was a huge fan of the books. I mean, so you know, I grew up as the books were published. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the Prison of Azkaban was published in ninety nine. So this is by this time, 2002, three. Mm-hmm. So I loved the books and I I knew exactly who she was and, you know, who the, 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 what, what Slytherin meant and, and what that was. And I've always, I think that was the, the first experience of really like playing a bitch. And I absolutely loved it. Villains are wonderful to play. Not that they think that they're villains, but, you know. Um, and I got to improvise this scene and it was something about, I can't remember, I remember saying that if Pansy had a pet, she'd have a vampire bat and it would be <laughs> called, she'd call it Vamp. Um, I don't know where this came from, age 11, but um, <laughs> he, he quite liked it. So that was, um, that, was my, that was my experience. And then, you know, we got a call and they actually said, you know, this part is so small. Do you really want it? I remember that, you know. And we, you know, it was me and my mum and uh, we said, yeah, absolutely. And that's really where it started. I remember going up for the read through and it was a blanket of snow going up to this, this read through. And I remember meeting everyone. And I mean, this is what it's like being a, being a child is that I, I met Daniel Radcliffe and we had a mutual friend, you know, growing up in London. Um, mm. And so I, I went straight up to him. We had a really nice conversation and we, we kind of got chatting. And I remember telling him that I'd learned how you could like pretend to slap someone, like you could <laughs> fake slap someone. And him being like, really, like, show me how you do it. And so we were like playing this game and you'd like put your, you'd put like one hand to the side of your face and then like, you know, use the other hand to kind of <laughs> slap your own hand. And um, so we were doing this, you know, back and forth. <laughs> And it, as completely oblivious, you know, as, chil- as children. And afterwards, you know, my mum being like, you do realise that all of the American producers from Warner Brothers were looking around as like Harry Potter was being <laughs> slapped in the face. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of, that is a, an insight into what it's like being a child um, mm. on something like that. You do come in with a, with a kind of fresh uh, innocence and... Um, he was such a honey, Daniel, and they were they were all lovely. So that was uh, that was cool. But it, it was exciting, and um, for all the, the the magic and the mysticism of Harry Potter, it was still uh, an overwhelmingly professional atmosphere and a set. And it was it's a huge operation. I mean, the sets were massive. You'd go from you know tutoring to set or set to to your trailer in a golf buggy. <laughs> I mean, it was it was great fun, but you know, it was it was a big it was a big place. Mm. Um, and even though I was, you know, eleven, twelve, uh, I you know we were surrounded by these great great actors. I remember 
Julie Christie floating up the, you know, the, the stairs as I walked to have a costume fitting. And because I came from a background of like both my parents were actors, my mom was then uh, an agent and a, and a theatre producer for Deborah Warner. And, you know, my godparents were actors, like they were all either actors or producers or in the industry in some way. I've been going to the theatre since I was, you know, six. That was my that was my world. So I, there was an inherent like respect for all of these greats who were kind mm. of, you know, wandering around. So that was the kind of beginning. And I, I remember writing a letter to J.K. Rowling when I got the part and I I wrote to her and I asked her if she could tell me a secret about my character, Pansy Parkinson, that wasn't in the book. Mm. And she replied, and I still have that letter. And to this day, I've never told a soul what what she said in the letter and what the secret is about but Pansy. today for the first time no I didn't I didn't you, tell anyone you got something for yourself so how was it then I suppose ingratiating yourself into that cast because you know a lot of children and they've already kind of been doing it for a couple of years you know a few years already so what was that kind of dynamic down there and you know you mentioned you had tutoring I find it so interesting how you kind of balanced it. What was your, how long were you on set for? And what was it kind of like for you all? Were you all together and stuff? Yeah, so I was, I had one line. Does it hurt terribly, Draco? And I was on set for 16 weeks. <laughs> it was, it was a, a real experience. You know, it was every day being picked up. And just to go back to, I, I, you know, in my in my audition, this is this is the, the real magic of Harry Potter, which is in my audition, I improvised that Pansy would have a vampire bat, you know, called Vamp. When we were taken on set, so that they had this kind of menagerie of animals, they said, "This is for your character. This is a fruit bat." And we had a in in, in the Great Hall, you know, we had a kind of post like outing coming back, you know, with all our sweets and stuff from Hogsmeade. And I think it was cut. It might be in the deleted scenes. And like, there I am with this, with this bat, you know, it was, so there's a lot of stuff that gets cut, mm. but that's the magic of it that, you know, you could say something and, and and then it would, it would happen. But yeah, so I was there for 16 weeks and was picked up, you know, by a car. My mum was my chaperone. All the kids had usually had a parent as a chaperone. They were paid. Mm. Um, and if both your parents worked and couldn't take the time off to um to look after you then you had a, a paid uh, a chaperone that they found for you but yeah it was it was interesting you know just joining a new school and then going off to be in a harry potter movie which at the time was it was a big deal and having to be it was the first step in like having to be quite adult and thinking about organizing getting my schoolwork in advance mm. you know going to your teachers and getting all of your assignments in advance so that you could do it on set and also, you know, doing work on set is not easy because you sit down for 10 minutes and then you're up again because filming is always, filming is like being in an army. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sitting around and then when it's go, you have to be like ready and on point. And actually on that note, this is the madness of filming. 16 weeks we've been turning up and the one day they changed the schedule around that it was going to be my line and we were running late because of traffic. I mean, probably only 20 minutes, but, you know, when everyone's on set and everyone wants to go yeah. you know, 20 minutes because, you know, you were caught on the, you know, on the M4 or whatever, you know, it was, um, wow, this is what filming is like. This is what filming is like. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author, and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Stripped Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. Uh, another major aspect of kind of joining Harry Potter was, as you say, was my kind of quite now iconic hairdo, yes. which I, which I mean, maybe I'm not meant to say this, but like that was because I'd seen a, a 1920s a photograph of of Louise Brooks. That's what it was based off of. Oh, I, I actually don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone knows this. Um, I'd seen it and I just thought this is really beautiful. And I remember telling Alfonso Cuaron. And so that's it. So it just happens, you know, he had a lot of style, obviously. I mean, he's a genius. And I think that he liked the the strength of that. I think you also way. probably love the fact that like this little 11 year was like, I really love this Louise Brooke. <laughs> kind of like, I'm surprised again. Yeah. The E2 Mama Tambien, Louise Brooks. <laughs> yeah, I could have been. <laughs> Could have been then, like you know, eleven years old with a cigarette in my in my in my finger. Talking All about those movies. candy cigarettes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tell me, Alfonso, like, what do you think about this shop? Yeah, yeah. what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, what do you, you know, what was he like as a director? Because I'm sure, you know, obviously the focus is on the main trio and Draco and stuff. But like, how how was it watching him? Um, watching him work and were you kind of aware of the stuff when you were that age as well the things that you kind of looked out for that in your career since you've kind of seen or not you kind of relished or like really respected him for how he does it his process of doing it compared to maybe future directors you've worked with to be honest no because the whole situation is so it's so overwhelming 
in it. It's got so many parts to it. I mean, from the the the, the set design was extraordinary. I mean, there's a scene with the hippogriff, and I remember like I had I stroke this, I stroke this book, and I mean, it was everything was. I can I can still remember the text of today. Like everything was extraordinarily beautiful. The hippogriff was, you know, animatronics. You know, it, it, it so was, it wasn't like um, a tennis ball. No, no, no. It was a real animatronics hippogriff. And the thing about working with true greats is that, in my experience, they're really professional. They're really nice. They're really focused. And so there isn't. You kind of aren't aware of the seams because mm. it is all happening in a very kind of professional way. And anything that was probably challenging or difficult, I certainly never never saw and 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 they kind of just got on with it I don't think I would have been privy to any of the very intimate scenes I wouldn't have seen him you know directing uh, Gary Oldman you know I Mm. I wouldn't have seen that kind of stuff but with us kids they were he was he was great and I remember him you know he did talk to me about my character and like you know what is she what is she you know what is she thinking or or feeling in this and and stuff and I remember thinking oh wow how exciting you know I'm actually getting direction so he was even even with a tiny part like me, he was still kind of aware of what was going on. That's a big scene though, the one with the hippogriff, because that one, that's one where Buckbeak cuts Draco, little sniveling. Did you have a thing where like because you were all in halls, um, Slytherin, and blah blah blah, and also yeah. Gaunt, OG Slytherin, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> you know relation? what? I actually I actually wondered because I wrote to J.K. Rowling when I was eleven. I think before the first mention of Gaunt was actually came into the books. Because you know the books were still coming out. Yeah. I it is actually possible that she got the idea from your surname, my surname. I mean, writers do that all the time. I mean, there are a lot of characters, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that could actually be true. It could be. Wow. It could be. You yeah. reverse engineered yourself into Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We should ask her. I love it. So yeah. So so you're in. You know, was it a case of? You know, because sometimes it's like stay with, get your friendship going, get your matiness. So were you, did you kind of stick with the Slytherins or was it very much like everyone hangs together no matter what hall you're in? And also, what hall are you in? Did you do the Pottermore where I worked out what, what house you should be in? What? You mean as, as, as Genevieve? Yeah. You've not done that? I don't think I don't think I have because I'm like Slytherin, obviously. Like my heart <laughs> will always belong to Slytherin. Oh, there you go. I wonder. I wonder if you did it and it turned out you weren't. Would you feel kind of like, oh my god, it's been a lie this whole time, and actually a Ravenclaw? I feel like you're a Ravenclaw though in real life. Do you think so? Yeah, I think you've got Ravenclaw think... energy. What does that mean? I don't know. You're very erudite. Um... Tell me, Doctor Freud. <laughs> this is such a Doctor Freud. Like... Oh, I'm such a Gryffindor. <laughs> Just hey. like a bit. I feel like because I'm. I feel like I'm sometimes a bit of a jock. Because <laughs> that's the jock call, isn't it? Really. But you could be Gryffindor. You're very, you're very handy on the rollerblades, as we saw. Oh yeah, Hannah and I have been rollerblading together. Yeah. Um, what was but I going to say? Actually, funny enough, there is a reference to this um, in the TV show The Royals with, um, you know, Will Mosley and Liz Hurley that I that I was in. My character Willow gives a kind of a Pottermore, Harry Potter, which house are you in quiz? Oh yeah, to Max Brown and. Uh, I think I say like oh, I'm Ravenclaw, obviously, and that and that kind of got fans very excited because they we were like, oh, but she was really a Slytherin, <laughs> you know. You know, I just remembered actually. How could I forget this? About a, a few years ago, I was walking in Notting Hill, and I remember seeing a couple, a man and a woman, kind of like on a very narrow kind of back street, walking 
towards me and thinking, oh, his face looks familiar. She was a you know, beautiful brunette. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's Alfonso Coron. This a few years ago. And we part, as we passed, I said, I said, uh, I mean, I mean, so wait, from 25 to 11, like, you yeah. know, I don't exactly look the same. And uh, I said, I said, oh, uh, you're not going to remember who I am. But, and before I could finish the sentence, he looked at me. First of all, he looked at me like concerned, thinking, is this going to be some nutter? <laughs> yeah. um, and, then, and, and then he kind of went, oh, pansy. <laughs> like, it fell off if I was sitting on a chair would have fallen off it um but um anyway where, you where do we? look you do look exactly the same because obviously I've watched <laughs> this again recently and it's like oh that is Jen you've do got I? such a yeah should yeah I do that? should I do that what is it like oh yeah yes you're very stern was this the direction from Alphonse Alphonse he's like you have got to, uh, I don't, This. I should probably stop doing the accent actually. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't, you need to look stern. Cause she, cause the character is very like moody, like, Ugh, why am yeah. I, why, these, why do I deign to acknowledge these people? I think um, when you haven't got many lines, you have to come up with a very kind of, you have to have a clarity of like, of, of like who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that like, she's mostly in a, in a gang. And they are intimidating everyone left, right, and centre. And the boys could intimidate just by their, like, kind of presence of being blokes, Josh and Jamie. And, you know, and, and, and Tom was obviously, you know, Draco is, is um, kind of dashingly, you know, evil. So I thought, you know, I'm going to level up with the boys here and be, be a kind of, be stern in my own way. Well, I think it's good, though, because a lot of times you see, again, like, child actors who are kind of brought in to kind of fill out or whatever and then there's there seems to be no intention with what they're doing they're just kind of standing there but it was so every time even if it's a slight cutaway whether it's you know you kind of Draco's arms bandage or kind of decide you're always in it and it's like you could tell that's what I appreciate it's like oh yeah she's she's always she's on it she's that's pansy I think that's just being, I mean, there's something about the DNA of an actor. Like even when I was three, I did, I think I played baby bear in Goldilocks in the park, you know, and I was, I, I remember, you know, my, both my parents were lot, they were crying. My dad was crying with laughter because I was so committed <laughs> to being like baby bear age three. I mean, what is that about being an actor? But I, I would say um, all of the kids on Harry Potter were, were, I think this is the thing about excellence. This is why everyone wants to work with the best directors, the best mm. actors, the best set designers, the best writers. Because when you're amidst excellence, you kind of you just focus and you get on with it. But you know, back to your question about coming in, like into it felt like with the new kids, and it's funny, mm. it was really the beginning of the journey. But it was a huge shift from you know Christopher Columbus and the first two to Alfonso Cuarón. It was a much darker film, mm. and you know they were they were so Emma's a year older and I think Daniel's two years older so they were already like 13 14 so they were kind of already quite you know they, they they'd kind of they were what felt like quite grown up but we were greeted there were three of us uh Sitara Shah Je- Jennifer Smith and and me we were brought in as this kind of this trio we were greeted with a great enthusiasm because we were like the only girls apart from Emma like you know so so that was we were like fresh blood coming in I think that was that was fun so so it was like you all hung out together not like segregate into halls and stuff and then did you do all your classes together as well yeah yeah I think you just had to kind of we all had our own stuff to get on with Mm. 
Um, so we just kind of got on with it when we could. Shooting that, did that kind of really make you realize like, oh, this is what I want to be doing um, and continue your career? Because I mean, yeah, not just working with a massively great, like impressive director, but massive studio film. Do you think that kind of definitely prepared you in the best, like in a good way for pursuing your career, even though, of course, like, you know, you didn't come back for the second one for for reasons. Yeah. What were the reasons? Oh, I mean, so. Because also there's been like five, <laughs> there's like five girls who have played Pansy Parkinson. More than, than what is like Defense Against a Dark Art Teacher, that's the role. <laughs> I, so a, quite a few parts have been mm-hmm. replaced over the years in the different Harry Potters. And I think that's down to the different directors because they all had a very different kind of style and vision for each one. So, and I don't think she, don't think she came into the, did she come into the fourth? I can't remember. But, you know, really, I think the main issue was that um, I was 12 to Tom's 16. Right. And it gets quite, it's got quite a romantic feel in the fourth book with the ball and everything. And I was a baby. I mean, 12 to 16 is is a bit of a leap for a kind of romantic relationship. So I think that's just how it naturally kind of, it naturally petered out. Um, They had to, I think it had to look more, more plausible. When that came out, was that kind of mad (laughs) for you going back to school? (laughs) It's me. Yeah, I think it was. Honestly, I mean, because I came from uh, my parents were actors I had my feet firmly on the ground there was no like hysteria around it like they treated it very much like a job like you Mm. know and and they were very they were like my mom was very grounding about it so I think that was really what stayed with me because I went on to do other and went to do like other British like tv and short films and stuff before I went to university and I did a lot of of theatre at university that's really where I thought okay I definitely want to be an actor because I hadn't done a play before I went to university and then you know my agent Dallas Smith who was already like you know a a big deal then because he looks after like you know Kate Windsor and Eddie Redmayne and Sienna Miller and Rosamund Pike and all these people you know he saw me doing plays at university I'd done like you know, Shakespeare and Sondheim and Strindberg, musicals, like, uh, I mean, and so to do that on stage and then for a, a, an agent to say, you know what, like, I want to I want to represent you, you kind of go, ah, oh, right, I'm, I really want to be a serious actress. Um, but what was very handy was that I think I had very professional and realistic expectations of what the business was mm. um, because of my experience you know, growing up, I knew, I knew what it was about. And I, and I, and I had that background, you know, having people in my family and in, in the industry. Mm. So there were never like stars in my, in my eyes about it. Um, and I knew how fickle it can be as well. I just knew that from a young age, I guess it's whatever your background is, you know, yeah. but that's how it prepared me mm. and, and, I- and, and the professionalism of it. Mm. You know, I was always taught like, learn your lines and don't bump into the furniture. I think Noel Coward said that originally, but it's been kind of, you know, that was that was how I was brought up. You know, it's a job, like get on with it. Mm. And what would you say that you would take your takeaway from your first feature? I think that it's a privilege to work with such excellence and to enjoy it because, you know, you, you, you can enjoy that stuff when you're a child and sometimes you become too aware 
of the potholes in life. And actually, if you go back to that sense of wonder of being a kid, if you can, it's like everything in life. If you can like maintain a sense of wonder whilst being professional about it and enjoy being in the moment and, and enjoy what it is, you know, then I, I think that was the combination that I kind of got mm. from being on Harry Potter because it's such a professional engine. Yeah. And yet there was still, you know, that magic. And then you, as you mentioned at the top, like, you know, the casting director, you end yeah. up, you know, one of the things is like, keep in touch, like, because actually exactly. it works out for you that way. There's that kind of, because I think that's what it is. I think working on that first film, it kind of gives you networking opportunities as well, using it as a way to, okay, cool. I know this person now I can try and they can see my work and hopefully in the future that can, you know, manifest even more opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was fresh out of university, Gina J uh, had me in to audition for Amanda Knox and I got that. So I was working with Michael Winterbottom doing the face of an angel, which was also Cara Delevingne's first movie and Kate Beckinsale was in that and Daniel Brühl. So that was a, an experience. So yeah, I have a lot to thank um, Gina for. I mean, casting directors are so, so important. I don't know why there isn't a casting directors award, like, you know, award ceremonies yeah. and stuff maybe there yeah. is now but there should they really should be they've added I think they've added the to the BAFTAs I think they've added that uh category and Biffers as well because actually funnily enough we've got um I spoke to the producer of Boiling Point and the casting director for that one the Biffer which is very very good so uh definitely check that out and listen to that uh interview with producer Hester Ruth um I think also there's interesting, you know, the idea of the transition from child actor to actor, actor, like adult actor. Mm -hmm. And I suppose for you, like, even just taking that time when you did a few small things, but did you find that just that period of going to university and stuff, is that something that actually kind of, you know, everyone's thinks you have got to stay in it and got to continue, but you, did you kind of take a break to, to focus on your education, then obviously reignite it? Well, I mean, I suppose just that, because again, you could have, you know, you just look at the people, you know, obviously the people who've gone on to stuff afterwards, not everyone kind of can mature into an actor, older actor. And obviously you've continued to have, have work, whether it's on radio, on stage, on TV, film. So I suppose for that, for that, even though there's obviously the kind of, knee-jerk reaction to think okay what's the next big film I can get was it important for you to take that time off to work out actually what you wanted to do so it was my my mum who really wanted me to go to university um and because I think she thought it was really important to kind of I have some life experience and get an education and but the reason why I applied so I I, I don't I think I'm the first woman in my in my family to go to university so I mean and I thought there's no way that I'd ever get into Cambridge never like never thought that would be a thing that I could do I wanted to leave school at you know 16 and then <laughs> and then I wanted to go to drama school so it was only like you know mum being like I think you should try that I did and I I went up to see a production before I applied of Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim who is my all-time favourite yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, like, because I, I knew that the the history um, of, you know, the ADC and Footlights and stuff. And I thought, wow, like you can get an education and maybe do some theatre as well. And so when I got in, I didn't see it as a, as like a taking a, like putting a pause on acting. It was actually like basically trying to do a kind of semi 
drama school experience although some people are quite snobby about that because they think that it's not drama school because it's not like a proper training which you could say maybe yeah it's not like you're not it's not a proper training in that respect like you're not doing like movement lessons but you are performing uh, five nights a week six nights a week um to a paying audience and putting on shows and like you know doing all that kind of stuff so it certainly felt like a workout of yeah trying all these different styles so it I really felt like that was my that was my drama school really kind of getting to grips with stuff and not just coming in for a few lines here and there or doing an episode or of a a telly like actually doing proper meaty parts like I play Cleopatra and Anthony Cleopatra Olivia in Twelfth Night Miss Julie in Strindberg's Miss Julie I did two Sondheim musicals like um I did Enron I did you know that face I you know so many different styles and playing parts like older and 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 you know all that kind of stuff so that definitely made me think okay I love this and I want to do it and you know then a a top agent says yeah I want to you know I want to sign you you go okay yeah maybe this is more like a a proper like possibility Mm. and also everyone has their own roots to get it's creative craft you know not any some people don't even go to drama school or anything and they're doing yeah okay yeah absolutely you just have to do what's what's right for you there's there's no sure way to do it you just have to love doing it I guess and I do I mean there's nothing better than working with people on on a project whether it's a play or a film Mm, the 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 times I've laughed myself sick been with actors like doing you know doing a job or whatever well well thank you so much for joining us uh Genevieve Gaunt on the first film club um what's coming up for you next I've got my first book review coming out, which is exciting. I'm not sure I can say, um, I won't say where, where it's for yet before it it comes out. But um, I'm also doing some fun interviewing jobs. I'll be interviewing some authors for book festivals. And we're doing another Thunderbirds with John Colshaw. And um, yeah. Lady Penelope. Who'd have thought? Lady Penelope and Pansy Parkinson, just big on the peas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah all of the peas all, all of the peas <laughs> well thank you so much thank you for having me hannah thank you you've been listening to genevieve gaunt star of harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban available to watch via now or you can rent or buy on most digital platforms and at home entertainment retailers thank you for listening to the first film club podcast this has been the final episode of the current series But we'll be back with more interviews later in the year. So please like, subscribe, share and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at first underscore film club to find out when we'll be back with season two and hear about our latest film screening events. Thank you for listening to the First Film Club podcast. Please like, subscribe, share and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at first underscore film club to keep up with the show and hear about our latest film screening events. This is a stripped media podcast series written, produced and hosted by Hannah Flint and Natalie Louise. Edited by Ben Williams with music composed by The Last Skeptic. You just heard a stripped media production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.